Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to another episode of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about stuff I love and stuff you love and what we're buying and what we're going to buy next. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. This will come as no surprise to any of you who follow the G Thanks Just Bought It pod Instagram, my favorite author, Ellen Hildebrand, live from Nantucket. She's here. Hi, Ellen. Hi. Hi, Caroline. This is so exciting for me. Ellen, I have probably, I mean, I know that a lot of people say that they're your biggest fan, but I would say that. I'm your biggest fan. I love that. I'm a yeah. huge fan. A lot fan. of people do say it, but you know, there I I I I have known you for a while as my biggest fan. <laughs> Thank you. So that's good. That oh my gosh, this validates me incredibly. Yeah. I will look back on whatever whatever kind of clouds my memory of this pandemic. I will <laughs> oh, be able to remember. I talked to my favorite author, and she recognized me as her biggest fan. I remember yeah. my my journey with you began in 2011. I was at Target. I was going to Martha's Vineyard. That's where my family spent um, a week every summer uh, since I was in utero. And, you know, Target always has sort of like the best of the best, like mainstream best-selling books. And the island right. was sitting right there. And I thought yeah. that sounds appropriate. Martha's Vineyard's an island. It, and it, I read the back of the book. I said, cool, I'm sold. And that was the first year I actually got a Kindle. So like I finished the island I think on the drive up, like I was done yeah. before we got on the ferry. And so yeah. I spent the rest of the week just being like, okay, you know, at that point, it's 2011. So that's probably like the midway. You probably had like, what, six or seven books by then before the island or a little bit more? It was my ninth. Okay. I think it was my ninth book okay so I'm, I'm gonna go close. with nine, nine. Yeah, it was my ninth book. so yeah. I got to go back and I bought everything on the Kindle and I think I read all of them that week and just one after the other after the other it was the best and I've and awesome. like then when I realized you come out with a at that, that point you came out with a book every kind of Memorial Day time yes, I was so right. excited and then the winter book started coming out and I was so yep. excited I befriended your publicist I email Catherine <laughs> at um at your publisher all the time. Um, yeah, I just can't get enough. And now I like, I have gotten so many people on board with Ellen. I am like, do you want a good read that like will not depress you or you know require? I say require too much brain power, but I mean it as a compliment. Like, like it's like watching a good movie. Your books. Like you, yeah. it's, it's like lay, lay down, put your pajamas on, get a snack. Like we're not, there's not going to be a test. Like we're right. not, you know what I mean? It's like just delish. And, uh, and all, and my big, my pro, my proudest sort of, I think influence has been on my, my like very like serious and literary, like blah, blah, blah. Like they love you. They're obsessed. Yeah. I have gotten so many yeah. texts through this saying, 
what Ellen should I read next? I re- I'm on my last Ellen. I'm going to read this Ellen. Like literally friends from all circles. So this is so exciting. And I've never, no one has ever gotten back to me and said, you know what? That really wasn't for me. Thanks for the recommendation. So yeah. you really like, you, you Good. have perfected the craft. Wow. Yeah. I really, I just Thank can't you. say it enough. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. you and I have talked before we talked, I'm going to, I'll link it in the show notes, but you and I chatted in like 2016. I think I interviewed you about being the queen of the beach read and kind of, we talked about chick lit and yeah. What do you think about like being called, I don't know, like beachy reads or chick lit? Like how does that make you feel as a graduate of like the most prestigious creative writing school in the country? You know, it really is a complicated question, mm-hmm. honestly. Cause on the one hand, like my materialistic side, which let's start there. Cause since it's G thanks, just bought it. <laughs> um, G whiz. What's the name of the podcast? G, G thanks. Just bought it. No, you got it. You got it. Is being called the queen of the beach read sells books. It does people, women, men too in summer want something light. And when I say light, I mean engaging and you don't have to decode it. Exactly. It's not it's not going to bum you out, freak you out, but you need to be immediately engaged. And, and I really need to say that I bring my Iowa background to these beach books. So what does that mean? That means that I suffered through two hellish years in Iowa City at a, an extremely competitive extremely intense experience. So we've all seen girls, right? Yes. And when Lena Dunham goes to Iowa, she must have had someone on her staff, I believe she did, who went. And this is what was tough about Iowa is they didn't, you didn't take any classes. You could go to your, you went to your workshop once a week and you could take literature classes, which I did. I took one literature class per week mm-hmm. and the rest of the time was yours. And it was so difficult. I was 26, 27, 28 when I was there to make yourself write because they didn't, they expected that you would write, but you just, and you know, she's sort of wandering around her kitchen yeah, because she just, you have all day to write and there's no motivation. So at some point in Iowa, um, I developed like somehow developed like the self-motivation to get it done. And I was pretty much alone in that. So there were a lot of extremely talented writers, way, way, way more talented than myself at Iowa. But I became the person that could finish things. And that is why I am now doing what I'm doing. Incredible. So um, I bring my Iowa background, which is very literary to the beach book. So I think that my beach books have a little bit more heft, a little bit more craft maybe. And I don't want to sound completely immodest, which I completely do. But they they have a little something more. That's why everyone loves so them. So that, yes. you know, basically I'm trying to be the best in class at doing the beach book. It's not stupid. I, I right. deplore people who call it trash or fluff. It is neither of those things. Yes. But it is, it is, it is meant to be escapism. It is meant to be the highest quality escapism 
that you can get, but that's that's essentially what it is. That is a brilliant way of describing it because like that is now I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt that language when I'm when I'm selling it to other people who like I don't know who I haven't reached yet about <laughs> Ellen Hildebrand books, but if you're out there, come to me. Remember, I was like giving everyone a quiz. I was like, do you like family murder? Do you yeah, like yeah, love yeah. affairs? And I was like giving everyone a start. That is the perfect way to describe your books because there are a lot of books in the world, in the airports, in the targets with beach umbrellas and Adirondack chairs and like very colorful towels. And I I get so excited when I see them because I'm like, well, I've already read all of Ellen's books 19,000 times. Like maybe there's like, like I, I'm constantly Googling if I like Ellen Hildebrand, like who else will I like? And there's a lot of options. But like, unfortunately, when you start with the best at the craft, it is very difficult to get used to someone else's it's like a lot of the same subject matter and not as good of the writing and you're like well I mean if I'm reading a book about someone fighting with their sibling you know on a beautiful beach island I'll just I'm gonna go back and reread the identicals instead of like having to slog through a book that I don't really I don't I'm not really engaging with and so what I'm saying is if you could just start writing like six or seven books a year that would really help me personally. So right. if, you could get, if you could get on that. You're killing me. I, I know. I, I would know. really no, appreciate I it. I know. I, know. Um, I, I, know. I, I It's funny because, you know, I wrote, you know, I wrote a book, which you were so gracious to blurb. Um, and God, it just took forever. And like, oh, yeah. my God, it is like such a process. And like, you're yeah. so excited in the beginning. Um and then you're so excited at the end when it comes out and you can hold it in your hand. But that middle part where you actually have to like do it is very difficult to get that motivation. Yeah. But I feel I, I assume you must have a regimen and a routine. Can you tell us a little bit about like wh- how you are writing two books a year? Well, again, kind of a complicated question. So I, I have learned over the years certain things. And these are the things that I've learned. So the, the most important thing, believe it or not, with my writing is I exercise every morning and I get up and I go running. I, I have I just bought a Peloton. I don't know if you oh, can yeah. See it nice. I just bought a Peloton. So my morning is now at this point, three parts. It's Peloton. I go running and then I do a bar class online. Oh, I'll never write another and it book takes if this is what it is. Hour. It takes like <laughs> three hours. <laughs> And then after three hours, but I do it as a discipline because it's the discipline that sets up my day. So that is like, okay, that is done. Check that box. And then, you know, I normally finish between 10, 30 and 11 and I have the rest of the day to write. And I do not put a time. I don't put a time limit. I don't put a word count. I just am constantly like, what am I going to do today? I need to do this scene. And if I get into the scene and it's working, I keep going. My most productive time of day is between three and six, which is extremely inconvenient <laughs> for me when I was having, when I was trying, my kids were in school, I'd go pick them up, right. drop them off and that's go to like, sports. That's when you're with them. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, this is awful, but it just happened to be like, that was my super productive time. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically I start writing the summer book, let's say May 1st. Okay. Okay. And I write that and I finish that at Halloween. I turn it in to my editor on November 1st. So it takes six months. <laughs> wow. I know. Wow. <laughs> it really takes seven months, but I, I got, you know, especially this year, I got a late start. That's incredible. So, so it takes about seven months. And then you ha- I hand it in and my editor, I've 
had a switch of editors, but in the past, my mm-hmm. editor is brilliant and wonderful. And she gives me the changes. And then I take an apartment in Boston for six weeks away from my children, away from everyone. It's a studio apartment. It is teeny tiny. I live there by myself as a recluse. Again, I do my exercising and I get takeout food. And those are the only two times I leave the house. Wow. And I just rewrite the book. Revise, revise, revise. It's extremely intense. I do that for six weeks. I hand the book in. When? At Christmas. Wow. Um, so again, my poor children, like they've never, like I've never had like the whole build up to Christmas. Right. Because I'm always working. It's <laughs> yeah. the most intense period. One year I missed Christmas entirely. Oh the year God. of Summer, Silver Girl. Really? And, um, okay. Yeah. It went through six revisions. Oh anyway, then, and then I turn it in at Christmas and then in January, right after the new year, I start the winter book. Wow. And the winter book goes from January to is May. Due, it's due in April. Oh my God. Uh, I've started going to St. John for five weeks. Yep. Again, without the children, because that gets me into a beautiful location. And especially, you know, the greatest thing it gave me is it gave me the subject matter for my winter books. Yeah. Which are amazing. The Paradise Series. The Paradise Series. Yeah. And um, I did get caught in St. John this year for the quarantine. <laughs> So I ended up, ext- I was there, five- I always go for five weeks and I ended up extending two weeks. So I was there for seven weeks. I'm going to say this without sounding like a real jackass. At the end of seven weeks, I was like, I can't, I don't think I can stay here another day. I totally. Which, which was surprising Yes, to me. of course. I mean, you want to be home. I, yeah, I wanted to be home. I get that. And I mean, it is such paradise and it is so beautiful and the weather is so perfect and the water is so gorgeous and I don't have any, you know, nothing to do but write. I could have, in theory, stayed yeah. longer. And yeah. I just thought this is just delaying the inevitable and I need to get home and see my children. And It sounds like anyway. a great routine. I mean, I imagine, you know, when I, when I one day get to the point where I'm writing two books a year and I'm on my 24th book, you know, I could put together that schedule for myself. I hope so. Um, yes. the, the motivation to write is the hard part. I'm going to have to cut. I will not exercise three hours a day before I write, but I might have to do something like it just you one thing. I got to do one thing. And then it's like, you go, you go into the day. Did you, did, what, what was your routine? Like when you were writing like your first book and I know that it was, what was your first book that, um, that like hit the bestseller and then all your, and then all your books went retroactively. So that was barefoot. barefoot. That happened in 2000. Well, I sold it at the end of 2006. It was published in the summer of 2007. I had switched publishers mm-hmm. because the first five books, you know, they just didn't do well. They didn't. My publisher, whose name I will not mention, did not publish them correctly, mm-hmm. did not have any faith in me, did not see a big, big star. They see they see a big star now. Yeah. They all love me. They love me now. But at the time, you know, I would complain. I mean, Caroline, they were paying for nothing they didn't do any advertising they would send me to book events this was like the most humbling experience yeah. so what you have to know is the book the beach club came out in the year 2000 my son my first son max had been born in november of 99 wow so my first summer i have a baby i have a six-month-old and when i i went to do an event like on the cape and i was so excited i'm like this is my book signing i am so excited they didn't pay for my travels so i would get the boat ticket. I'd rent a car, my own dime. I'd go to the bookstore with my child in the bucket seat. And I would go to the bookstore and like three people would show up and nobody knew who I was. I mean, how are they going to know who I was? And you know, it would be like a massive, massive, just humbling experience. Like, okay, I thought I was 
so cool because I had my book published. And yet at the same time, it's the selling of the books, the building of the brand. Mm -hmm. It takes, it takes a long time. Yeah. You look at a book like Crawdads, that just doesn't happen. Right. I mean, it obviously does happen, but it. That is not, that is not the, that is not the rule. That is the exception. That is not the norm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the writers that we all love, they, they build a readership. And so the book, Summer of 69, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. That was incredible. A massive accomplishment. Wow. That was not an overnight success. That was years and years and summers and summers and summers of building yeah. the readership and getting to the top. And so that is something I'm very, very proud of. In fact, I think I'm going to cry. So <laughs> you, proud. You should. I'm going to cry. You should. That's so amazing. So proud of not me, of my publisher and me, yeah. of not deviating, of not skipping a year, of not turning in a shitty book over the course of those 20 years. Yep. of just building and building and building on a product and a brand and finally and it was my 50th you know it was the summer of my 50th birthday and finally at age 50 to be like i am number one i had to beat stupid ass products (laughs) forget i said that i had to be but that's how i I, no absolutely that's that's how i felt about it absolutely that's frustrating yeah because it had been at the top for so long and then you know of course the hilarious thing is it's still like now I'm going into year year two and it's it, you know, I'm looking at my competition for the bestseller list, you know, in a couple of weeks and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's still crawdads. I can't <laughs> even believe it. It's that, still crawdads. It is so, um, that is so amazing. That's just so amazing. And it's also yeah. like, you have to love writing. And I'm saying this, not, I don't know how many of my listeners are also writing books, but as somebody who is writing books, it's like, you know, you did this before social media, like you did this before, like you could really kind of like, you had to rely on, you know, I had to remember it while you were talking, because I was like, well, who cares about your publisher? Like, you know, you can do all this stuff on your own, like a lot of stuff. I mean, my publisher was great. And you know, my our, our book publicist for Hey Ladies was great. But a lot of the stuff we could do, it's like start an Instagram, start a Twitter account, like do all this, like do your interviews. You can't do that in 2000. It's like you are relying on someone no. to literally like market your 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 wares for you. And to think right. that you continued to write five, six, seven more books before you actually got any sort of like end game fulfillment of it. It's like, yeah. wow, like, okay, so you actually like writing. Like this isn't just like, oh yeah, like yeah. I'll just like write some books, like whatever. Yeah. It's incredible. Not only that, but the, you know, the first novel, when the first novel, this happened to me twice, the first novel and the fifth novel, um, both got people magazine reviews and my publisher had not printed enough copies. And so they ran out of copies. And this Whoa. is long before the Kindle, the iPhone, yes. any of that. So you, you know, if you run out of copies, you're screwed. You can't. It's not like, oh, you're going to download it on your Kindle. Um, wow. I know. you. We were, like, flat out of copies. And it was very frustrating. Like, that That was, like, the most frustrating thing because the first book did well. It got the, the, the People Magazine Book of the Week, and I, I almost fainted. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a big star now. But, you know, they'd only printed 2,500 copies, so right. those sold out. And then, right. And then, and then you know, what else do you do? Right. It was, it was very... It was very challenging. The first, the first five years were very, very challenging. That I'm, I'm very motivated. Well, you know what? We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back because we have to take a quick break. Or my editor, Veronica, hi, Veronica, is like Caroline. You got to take a break. We're taking a break, and then we're coming back. Okay, don't even want to skip a beat. I just feel like that's that is so motivating for me. All the things you're saying are motivating for me. One that you know, it's it's something, it's something that I would say as someone. 
who was very, you know, very early on in my in my writing career. But like if people ask me for advice, I'm like, you know, you don't have to have a perfect first draft. Just like, get it out. You know, that's what the right. editing process is for. But then when I sit down, I'm like, well, OK, but I have to have the perfect first draft. So like my whole process has been like abandoning this idea that like I have to give my agent or my editor like a perfect book um, at this point, you know, how much like when you're writing, are you like, do you ever write and you're just like, I will like that will come back in the editing or like, do you have to do you work it out on the page during your draft? You know, I would have to say like 95% of it. I work out on the page. There are things that sometimes I make myself notes and I'm like, I need to come back and look at this later. But I don't, I generally, when I hand it into my editor, uh, it's, it's pretty close. Wow to everything is pretty much worked out. Okay. I want to say something though. I want to say something. Yes. I finished, I finished the third book in the paradise and the paradise trilogy, um, a few weeks ago and I finished the first draft and I was absolutely thrilled. Now keep in mind, this is the third book in the trilogy. So I know the characters, this is the third time I've been with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really felt like I had nailed a landing that was going to be, it has to be two things. It has to be sort of surprising and oh my gosh, this makes perfect sense. So um, I turned it in and I was not anticipating doing that many revisions. And I have a new editor because my editor went to Kanoff. I loved her so much. She's gone. My new editor is as fabulous. Absolutely wonderful. She made all these these suggestions and said, go in and change this and this and this and this. And it was, it was a lot more work than I anticipated. You will always, always make it better. And I turned it in in the second draft. And I don't even ever want anyone to look at the first draft. I was like, I made it so much better. You will always make it better Mm -hmm. with a revision. And this is why you know the characters at this point. And you know sort of the plot. And you can only, especially like with a really good editor, you will only make it better. And I was really shocked with my, that was my going to be my 26th book. That I, you know, at how you're still learning you're still it's still a process Mm -hmm. and you have to go through the process you have to go through the process that makes me feel a lot better I'm a perfectionist at heart and I also have zero patience so put those two together writing a novel is a difficult task for me um even though it's something that I'm working on and that I want to do and that I've done I mean technically hey ladies has has been done um but it's like it is so hard to not want to like nitpick every sentence, like first get your story out, then you can go back and then you can also develop the characters and also the characters are going to develop as you're writing the story. And it's like this whole sort of like out of order process that, I mean, I just think like, it's incredible what you've done. I've, I am in awe all the time. I've now been a fan for now nearly a decade and like still just such a huge fan. Um, I know that you know this because I know that you saw the Instagram, but I was telling listeners. So whenever I recommend one of your books, I give them a, I say rank these four things and then I will pick out a book. Um, I said, uh, I think it's love affairs, like murder or mystery, family drama, and then teens, like anything that has to do yeah, with like yeah. kids. So, so whenever anyone, and I want to know if you would pick the same ones I would. So when everyone, when anyone ever says like murder mystery, I always say the castaways to start. Okay. When anyone says love affairs, I do a summer affair. Um, right. And 
family drama, I actually usually go with Silver Girl because I think okay. I think that's like a good. Um, I also think that's a good introduction book to your books because it like mirrors a real life event. It's like very right. M- Ruth Madoff. Um, and then the teen drama Summerland. What mm-hmm. would you pick the same ones or would you go different? Well, I would definitely if someone said murder, I would say the perfect couple. Which OK, may yes. not have been that wasn't accessible, obviously, to you until just recently. Right. Right. Um, but that is. uh the the murder definitely and the cast before that I before that I would definitely would have said the castaway mm-hmm. and the two are like weirdly connected they I'd are they are they are connected they are um what was number two love affairs is uh I said a summer affair. summer affair but I always go back and forth between the love season mm, or, or Boo Bistro or the matchmaker well the matchmaker yeah I know I mean there's like five books under any one of these. Yeah, different. You um, know, it's it's funny. Yeah, and then teen drama definitely Summerland. Mm-hmm. Although there is some good teen drama in the identical. Mm-hmm. And don't I have teenage characters in another book? You have. I feel like I. Well, do. Nantucket Nights is a real Nantucket. <laughs> Nantucket Nights. Yes, I mean that that has that's been, a, but Summerland. That is Summerland is, is one of my top. I love Summerland. It's one of my top three favorites. And then the other one I said was, oh, Silver Girl for family drama, just because I love And Silver Girl for that. a family drama. So for me, for family drama, like Beautiful Day. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know what else has the teens is The Rumor. The Rumor has the rumor. Uh, some good teens. The Rumor is yeah. wonderful. The Rumor is also, you said you go to Boston for six weeks and hole up uh, Madeline in The Rumor yes. also gets her own little apartment to write her she book. She does doesn't really work out for her it doesn't you guys can you tell how obsessed i am i like i i like ellen please seven books a year that's all i'm asking you can do it i believe in you you got the peloton you can do seven books a year i've i know it i'm i am so thrilled your 24th book comes out in mid-june i have had it sitting on my shelf and i refuse to go past page 30 because i was like i'm gonna need this this summer so it is just sitting there taunting me because i want to read it with my friends and i have an early galley so i'm just what's the point of getting a galley if i'm gonna wait until it comes out but it's coming to my kid i bought it it comes to my kindle and then i have the um hard copy um 28 summers the funny thing about 28 summers and I want I want to I, I've been dying to know your um, thoughts on this is like it's so uh, it mirrors real life. So you go through every summer. So basically the story is, um, you know, tells the story of this friendship relationship over the course of 28 summers. And every chapter begins with the summer of X year and every yeah. beginning chapter. And I know this because I flip, I flipped through it, but I'm, I have not read it. Um, I refuse to not until it comes out. Uh, every summer is like, okay, it's this summer. Like, here's what we're talking about. This is what's going on this summer. You, yeah. you have to guess before you write about summer 2020, what we're going to be talking about. So it's like, <laughs> you know, the presidential election, like all this stuff. Um, I did not see pandemic quarantine. Okay, so <laughs> what happened was, yeah. Okay. So this is really funny. All right. So as Caroline says, the, well, the basis for 28 summers is the same time next year. So this couple meets on the Untucket 1993 and they have an affair. This will be the ultimate love affair book for Ellen Hildebrand. I can't wait. They have an affair for 28 summers. 
uh, always Labor Day weekend. And at the beginning of each each day, we go summer by summer, and each the beginning of each chapter is a rundown of what happened in that year. So when I'm finishing this book in December of 2019, mm-hmm. I am thinking to myself that the number one story in on May 18th, 2020 <laughs> is going to be the election, and we're going to be at that point, I don't even know who the candidate is, but we're going to be wish. <laughs> really freaking out about the election, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it goes, at some point, like, Kobe Bryant dies. And yes, I said that to was my, late January, I, yeah. I said to my boyfriend, I feel like I should call my copy editor and add that into 2020. But it felt very, it felt very like it would be sticking out because it would be Kobe Bryant dies and then the election. Right. Copy edits happen at the end of March. And she says, do you want to change anything about the first paragraph of 2020? And I'm like, yeah. So now (gasps) it says what happens in 2020. And it says Kobe Bryant, COVID-19, Zoom, TikTok, (laughs) social distancing. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah. So it is mentioned. But, I mean, even then, that was like a March view. It was a March view. on the Yeah, March was different. It was not like a May view on the pandemic. So, um, oh, I'm so glad that you got to do that. And also so glad that I have this. Now I'm going to have this rare galley copy that has no mention of COVID-19. It will be be historically important, honestly, like to have that copy because I think, I mean, we could talk literally the rest of our lives about this, but how suddenly and strangely the world completely changed. Absolutely. And how nobody was prepared for it. But okay. Yes. I mean, yeah. Well, I was going to make a comment, which I'm not going to make it. Yes. I wish people were more prepared is what I would say. And when I mean yes. people, I'm talking about specific people. Um, I That is so exciting because that is the one thing that I was like, oh, darn, like, you know, she's usually right on the money and like, there's no way she could have known. And I'm so happy that you got to put it on, yeah. put it in. Well, yeah. now I'm going to never, I mean, also my, my copy uh, of, I have a whole Ellen shelf in my book, in my bookshelf. Um, and my copy of, uh, of summer of 69 is signed. I was going to send off my galley and hope that Catherine could swap it with a signed copy, but now I'm never getting rid of it. Um, because now it is historic to me. Yeah. I was reading it and it's like summer 2020. Like I wish we were talking about the election. I wish anything was different. (laughs) Right. Right. Have you noticed that um, Nantucket's filling up? Like you're about, it's about to become summer in Nantucket. What is the vibe? Um, it's been, you know, I'm like 100% the wrong person to ask. And yet at the same time, (laughs) everybody's the wrong person to ask. I have not left the house except to, you know, exercise like by myself. Right. And then I go to the grocery store the liquor store. Yeah. Important. I did go to the post office last week by myself. I mean, the restaurants are closed. Yes. The shops are closed. Yep. Everything's closed. Right. So I have noticed like there is a little bit more traffic. My kids, I mean, the most challenging thing for me with the pandemic and, 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 and I, you know, obviously as with all human experience, the, the spectrum is wide Yeah. and I am definitely on the privileged end of the spectrum Me too. at the very end. And I, and I, I do not complain, but I do have children that are 18 and 20 and it's very difficult to keep them from hanging out with their friends. Oh, I bet. Especially on Nantucket where it's an island and 
They can't go anywhere. Right. They literally can't go anywhere. <laughs> They're literally on an island. And, <laughs> They're and, on an island on an island. Like that and is. All, like, they've all, it's hard to argue with them because they've all quarantined. It's right. very clear none of them have it. There are only 13 cases on the island and we haven't had a new case in three weeks. Wow. And so it's very difficult to say, oh, well, you might catch it. They're not going to catch it. And so it's very difficult to keep them. That is hard. From hanging out with And they're friend. also, I'm sure they give you the argument, I'm a legal adult. I'm 18. Right. I can make my own choices. And you're like, well, yeah. buy your own food or like, you know, right. Like, yeah, exactly. Come exactly. Pay for your own cell phone. Um, yeah. That must be really difficult. I was thinking at the very beginning of this back in March, the month that lasted 196 years, um, how I it just my parents would have murdered me and hid my body under the porch like on day three. Like if I were yeah. a teenager and I was living through this, I mean, they at least have phones like, we didn't, yeah. I mean, we didn't, I didn't have a phone. No. I didn't have anything like, oh my God, they would have killed me. I, and I also yeah. would have been sneaking out. I would have just like, yeah. you're a teenager. You don't have like a, a sense, like none of them. I mean, like they're all too young. It's like your world is, is your friends and your school and your parents and that's it. And you're not, and especially when yeah. you're on Nantucket, oh my God, I can't believe you guys are all being such good citizens of the world. If you hadn't have, had a case in three weeks, it would be really hard to not go outside and just like, yeah, take your chances. But yeah. I yeah. Mean, so we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. Ellen, I'm friggin' pumped to see what you brought. Did you think just bought it? What did you bring? I don't even know what it is. Lay it on me. Okay, so I am obsessed with a website out of Brooklyn called Food 52. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who reads my books or looks at my Instagram, I... I'm, a, I'm an at-home gourmet chef. And I don't mean to say that, like, I'm so talented. In fact, I do a cooking show on my Instagram stories called The Cringe Cooking Show. <laughs> Everything is poorly, poorly executed, poorly <laughs> chopped. My kids don't care. They're not picky. I've never had any classic training, which is super obvious when you watch me. Um, but I do have enthusiasm. And I, I love, you know, I do not count calories. I'm not allergic to anything. It is full fat. Anything meat. goes. Anything goes. The more <laughs> butter and cheese and mayonnaise. I love mayonnaise. I'm coming okay, over for food at your house. Okay, yes. great. So my favorite purchase from Food 52 is my Greek pepper mill. Um, I'm Ooh. showing it to you because we are on FaceTime. Yes. And it is Pretty. made of brass. It has a key design on it. And I really feel like everybody should have... Even if you're the most casual, even if you're getting takeout, mm -hmm. honestly, Caroline, uh -huh. you should have an actual legitimate pepper grinder. Okay. Because Why? Because the freshly, the freshly cracked pepper is just the most, it's the simplest seasoning you can add other than salt. I mean, we all have to have salt. Right. But the, you don't have to have anything other than freshly cracked pepper. It makes a difference. I, I If I see like a sad little pepper shaker, that's sad. Mm -hmm. Everybody... 
no matter your age, needs it. I believe it retails for $89. It is worth every penny. I use really? it multiple times a day. How long have you had it? I bought it in August. Okay. So I've had it nine, let's say nine months. Okay. I absolutely love it. And, and it is not going to break and it's easy to fill and it has a very satisfying sound when you turn the crank. That's important. And Food 52, the Greek pepper mill. That is awesome. Cannot, cannot beat it. And then when you get on the site, you're just going to be just sucked Buy into everything. everything else. I know. Yeah. I've, I've seen aprons on Food 52. I don't even cook that much, and if at all. And like everyone knows my husband's the cook in this house. And I say this like every episode it comes up, my husband's the cook in this house. But I just think a cute apron would make me feel better. So maybe that'll be yeah. on a purchase too. 89 feels steep for a pepper mill, but like but also, like, I understand when it's like this thing brings me so much joy. I use it every day, and it actually and makes have a it difference. Rest of your right. life. We're I mean, that's the other thing. Die so, with this pepper I mean, mill. I had a pepper mill that I, when I got married many moons ago, mm-hmm. it was given to me and my ex-husband as a wedding gift, and it was a wooden pepper mill, the kind that they used to have in restaurants, like the big, tall one. Yep, I think my parents have that one too. Yep, and I loved it. so so much and it was even better because it was a gift and I used it used it used it used it used it and it just it it just shit the bed and so I was wow. like all right now it's time to get another pepper mill mm-hmm. and you will have it this one's made of metal it is beautifully made you're gonna have it the rest of your life I love so. that that, that is such a that's a conversation we have often on the show, which is like, do you invest in the $90 thing or do you buy the $10 thing knowing that like every year and a half you're going to have to buy another $10 thing? And right. we had this conversation, I think, with Lisa Tazi. Um, we talked about this bio uh Biologique Recherche um, lip balm, which is literally like $48. But it actually, right, the face Ellen is making right now in FaceTime, it's like, oh my God, who's buying $48 lip balm when a chapstick is like $2.99? But then it's like, how many times have you bought like a you know a bomb for your face when you're when your face is chapped and it's like this doesn't work and then it's like you find the thing that works and you're like well I've definitely spent more than 48 dollars on various chapsticks and vaselines and stuff that like doesn't do anything for the problem I'm trying to solve so like the one it almost I don't know I think that some people kind of get it mixed up in terms of like well yeah if you add up all of the times you paid for all of these different variations of this thing you probably spent more than the expensive version of it and it feels like this pepper grinder like goes into that category which is like if you buy like a plastic you know seven dollar seven dollar pepper grinder you know is it gonna break is it gonna stain is it gonna like is it going to just look crappy is it in your cr- Instagram photos? Like Important. Is, that is important. If you're a cook, if you're a cook, I think, I feel like every actual fairly serious cook has an actual pepper grinder. Yeah. What I'm saying is if you're even just a casual, if you're getting takeout every night, like to have this pepper grinder really, you're, you're adding your own, your own, your own spice. Yes. I you know I live with someone who I live with someone. My husband cooks with with spices all the time. I grew up in I don't know if my mom's listening. She might be. Mom, I'm gonna call you out. I don't. I didn't really know about salt until I was like 26. Like oh my gosh. She. My mom is Irish. Like you know, 100 percent Irish. Grew up in like Irish. 
and and I've talked to my other friends who are like from like very Irish families and it's like this is a thing like salt was like not a thing when my mom was growing up like they just didn't like yeah so I just thought salt was like bad for you and so when my friend Annie uh in 2013 yeah I was in my mid-20s um was teaching me how to cook this like beet soup. And then she's like, and you want to put like a pretty good, you know, thing of salt in. And I was like, oh, Annie, like you're so healthy. Like, what are you talking about? Salt. And she's like, Caroline, that's what makes food taste good. And then like truly like a mind blowing experience for me. Like, yes, uh, you know, sodium, whatever. But like, I did not realize that like you can put like a little pinch of salt on anything that you're eating and the flavor will come out. And I have been spending my, you know, 30s figuring out that a lot of food I, mom, I'm sorry, didn't like growing up is because I think it was just lacking some, some flavor. And, and right. I just, we were just not a salt family. And, you know, and I remember also the other end of the spectrum was like, the friends at the diner who with the French fries and the hamburger would show up and then they'd pour salt on it. And you're kind of like, <laughs> but I kind of see their point now. So like, it's very exciting to me to realize that, I mean, beyond the, all the spices that are all in like all these different kinds of food, but like even a, a salad, a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper yeah. goes a long way, yeah. a sandwich. And I'm like, wow, my world is opening up, you know, I'm new horizons, but like, yeah. I imagine we also have a kitchen um, where everything is sort of on display. It like connects with our living room. It's really open concept. So for the first time, which was not the case in New York, I had a small kitchen. It was sort of tucked in the back. It didn't really matter because like when people would come over, not that anyone's coming over right now, when people would come over, like no one was seeing the my my yeah. wa- my wares in the kitchen. But now it's like a decorative event. Right. So like I can imagine having a nice pepper uh, grinder would be like kind of like a piece of art that that goes yeah, in your salad. It is. And but I use it every day. I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to use it all the time. Yeah, every day. I mean, yeah. right, now that I know about salt, salt and pepper, like that's right. <laughs> the world is my oyster. That's also a very good for those of you getting married or or putting things oh, on your registry. It's a gift. very good wedding gift. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Right in the in the, you know, you'd almost rather get an expensive ish version of something than a cheapish oh, version of yeah. something expensive as something expensive so it is a great wedding gift it's a great wedding Perfect gift wedding gift and especially because weddings if no one has told you yet and especially in in our in the you know 2020 when like everyone's already living with their fiance and everyone's you know already built this life where it's like you already have all this stuff the best part of weddings is going through your kitchen and figuring out what you're going to upgrade so like the yeah. pepper mill is like a perfect one it's like get rid of perfect. the seven dollar one and have your aunt buy you the ninety dollar one and like right now you have perfect. it perfect 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 I love that do your are your kids uh cooks or do they like to cook or are you solely do you do you run the kitchen I run the kitchen okay they are you know, my 20 year old is like, mom, can you make me food? (laughs) He couldn't even, oh, there's chicken salad in the fridge and then bread and you stick the bread in the toaster and then put the chicken salad on the bread and cut it in half. No, uh, uh, he, he would like me to do it. Um, (laughs) they don't do any cooking. And, and part of this just, cause that is like, that's one of the, like, I, I feel like as far as parenthood goes, 
whole other topic, but as far as parenthood goes, there are things that you're good at and things that you suck at. Yep. That is true for everybody. Yep. Honestly. And one of the things that I'm good at is cooking and feeding these people that I gave birth to. <laughs> that is a strength. I love it. I have many other areas where I completely suck, but feeding them is my strength. And so I've always just done it. And then also you get to, the the kitchen is your domain and that no one's there yeah. messing up your system, which is a right. big thing in my parents' house. It's like someone put the thing in the wrong place and no one can find the thing. Um, I love that. I think that's great. Uh, I can't believe we've been talking for like 45 minutes. I wish we could go on forever. The Food 52 um, pepper grinder, it's $89. It's on the Food 52 website. Did Do you see it used in Food 52 videos? Like, is, does it like come out a lot or is it like something? Yes. Okay. I, that might even have been how I discovered it. But I was like, oh, look, they have that pepper grinder. And um, the thing about Food 52 is it's this website that's run by these Brooklyn chefs. I mean, it doesn't get any, this is just like, it's like so Brooklyn. So they <laughs> test, they tested, you know, all of these different products yep. and they curate the site yep. like very carefully so that this is absolutely, and you feel confident yes. and you believe in, you know, what they're selling you. in Brooklyn. Like it's very thoughtfully curated. That this is the best pepper grinder for the money that you're going to get. I and they are not out to, up, you know, upsell you or sell you anything sure. that's not going to work. Like it is a correct website. I that love that. I well, we're big fans of food 52 here. Um, and I'm going to have to check out this pepper grinder. And also because I do have friends who are getting married, uh, whether the weddings are are happening or not the right. marriages yeah. are going on and so i have gifts to get and this seems like one maybe everyone's going to get a pepper grinder from me this year yeah. and it's such a great present it is that's a really great present it's really pretty can you hold it up again so i can yes, just like can. look at it i i mean you'll you guys will obviously picture it's really pretty it's just very pretty and it's classic and then they might say you know they might say this is so great like i never would have bought like i never would have splurged on this yes. for myself yes but now we have it and we feel like adults yep. and it's gorgeous and you can, you know. That's true. Yeah, that's it's also forget weddings too. Like holidays, like that's the kind of thing that does make a great gift because you can basically guarantee that unless someone is very serious about their kitchen, you know, they're probably not splurging on an expensive pepper grinder. But if they get it, they're not mad about it. Like, right. It's like, beautiful. Oh, I'm definitely going to use that. Right. It yeah. makes your kitchen look so like fancy. It'll go right next to my KitchenAid, which I also got for my wedding, which was very exciting. Right. Um. So we will link to the pepper grinder. I'm going to link to like all of Ellen's books. I'm going to make everyone take the ranking test so I can give you the Ellen book of your dreams. Shout out to Erica Mills, who was on the podcast um, pro right in the beginning when we kind of started, but she just read her first Ellen yesterday. And one day she read the castaways and oh. now she is on to the perfect couple. And I said, that's great Excellent. because they're related in, they are connected. in certain that's ways. Amazing. And yeah, I just can't say enough. Um, we are definitely going to do an Ellen book for the G thanks book club, probably in August or September. Um, it's going to be wonderful. If you guys have not picked up your first Ellen book, what are you waiting for? Get really? hooked. Get hooked like the rest of us. Ellen it is Hildebrand. not what you think. <laughs> I mean, we can say that. It is not what you think. It's, it's better than you think. It probably. is so much better. I will. Before we sign off, I just want to point out that the thing that I've kept in my head forever since we talked like four or five years ago was that you said everyone at Iowa 
made fun of you or rolled their eyes at you because all you could write about was Nantucket and the beach and everyone else was trying to write about death or like morose stuff. Yeah. But you're the best selling author. Like you're the like best selling 24 books, multiple books a year author. Any advice to anybody who is nervous that they are not that they don't have the the life experience, the vast travel knowledge to really sit down and write a novel. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody is going to write their book. So you don't need to write a Nantucket summer novel. You need to write the book from your your experience and your heart um, and your story. And and it's it's valid. Whoever you are, whatever your experience is, it's valid and it's interesting. But you have to really get to the you have to get to the heart of it mm-hmm. and get to the real stuff of it. But everybody's story has a story in them that's interesting and that's worth that's worthy of a novel. So you just have to figure out what that is. I mean, just make sure it's yours. You know what I mean? Right. It's yours. And even you know, I I said something unkind about Crawdads, but Crawdads was her story to tell. I mean, it was very clearly like a story that she's been thinking about for a long time, and it is so vested with you know, atmosphere and, 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 and her story. And that's what made it successful. Sure. I mean, well, everyone wants to look at the bestseller list and figure out who they have to, who they have to knock down a few pegs. So we get it. We get it. (laughs) Uh, Ellen Hildebrand, thank you so much for coming to G thanks. Just bought it. And we hope to see you uh, again soon. If you guys get the pepper grinder, whether it's for yourselves or for a gift, make sure you tag us on Instagram. G thanks. Just bought it pod and Ellen Hildebrand. I'm sure she'll want to know if you get it. I do. Uh, Thank you so much for coming. And like, you you know, We are right on the cusp of we're heading into Memorial Day weekend. I know this summer, the 28th summers, the 28th summer is going to be a little bit weirder than we thought. But at least we have your 24th book to look forward to. And I am very grateful for that. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Caroline. 